0: If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth radio show, OutofLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Happy New Year. Hope you're doing unbelievable. If you're listening to this on January 1st, you may be on the tail end of a hangover and i hope your recovery is coming along Uh, sorry it's been a little while since i got uh last show up i was all set to post a series of shows in the middle of december and then i got something called a gout flare which if if you've ever had gout it's it's excruciatingly painful it's it's the result of high uric acid levels and your, your your body's immune system starts responding and you it's just awful. You feel this excruciating pain in your ankles and your knees and any other places. And some people say that they would not want to wish this upon their worst enemies. Well, I actually want my worst enemies to experience this because it is that awful. So if I can go through it, they can go through it. And um, I had this discussion with my father a couple of weeks ago talking to him about the show. And he's, he said that some of the programs are, are kind of similar. You know, that I'm, I'm not really talking to people who are challenging me or – You know, we are talking about a lot of the bigger priorities, but at the same time, like, you know, we know the whole world's going crazy. Martin Armstrong will be back, and he'll give some fresh perspectives, but I want to do more shows that um, they're going to empower you, feature more guests that are going to teach us skills to, you know, optimize our health, optimize our ability to, to make as much money as possible, which is what today's show is about, optimize our mental health. Because Jeff Berwick has this terrific uh, podcast called The Dollar Vigilante. And he has a pretty cynical perspective of the world. And he said, like, some people just won't be able to be woken up. Some people are just not meant to be woken up. And I agree with that. But we're here. We're going to be resilient. And if there's anything that we can take away, a, a skill set or a tool, I'd say let's go for it. By the way, I want to bring your attention that Jeff Berwick is the promoting an event called an Anarcapulco, and it's taking place in Mexico first week of February. People like Larkin and Rose, who's been on our show before, Mark Passio, Del Tree, and uh, the who's who of the freedom advocates are going to be at this event, including Dr. Ron Paul. If you happen to live near Mexico or you're able to get to there, uh, please uh, use the promo code that'll be on our website. But I hope this year is a wonderful year for you. I hope. That uh, you manifest and create all your dreams because you deserve it. Let us begin tonight's show. It is a great honor to welcome to our show JJ Geronimo. She is president of Tech Savvy Woman. She's a highly regarded speaker, author of Effective Strategies. And she is going to come up with a lot of different ways that we can all be successful in 2023. You can learn more about JJ by going to her website at jjdgeronimo.com. JJ, welcome to our show.
1: Oh, thanks, Ryan. I'm thrilled to be here.
0: Thank you. One thing we really want to do is get as many people as possible to reach their best self. And I love the fact that you have a metaphysical component to what you do. So I was wondering, can you please explain to our audience what you view as two or the three things that a person would identify themselves as they've reached the pillar of success? What do you define success as?
1: Oh, you know, success, I used to think success had a lot to do with external metrics, but I have learned now that I'm almost 50, I've learned that success is really about the inner peace that you experience as you move not only through your day, week, month, year. I think many people are have this inner turmoil going on, just as I did. And I feel like you really have to work through your stories and work through your expectations uh, to really get a better idea of kind of what's driving you and what is taking away, essentially, your satisfaction and joy.
0: Okay. And what are some of the ways I think a person can identify their um, if they are projecting a life based on eternal conflicts that are coming from traumatic experiences or they are projecting experiences based on some of the consumption of the media that they take in if they're in a constant state of fear wow. from watching media so what is the comparable difference between either one of those and how would you, do you think that um you know one would decipher why certain things are happening in their life based on if it's eternal or based on if it's something that is responding to external stimuli
1: Yeah, I mean, we're a sponge, right? We take on everything we watch, we read, we experience. And I think for many of us really monitoring what I call frequency, a lot of people will call energy, kind of monitoring how you move through your day, how you feel internally, and how people you interact make you feel. I think for many of us, we are um, reactive to everything around us on a regular basis, which not only is exhausting, but we also can't manage our energy. And I feel like it wasn't until I got really present that gave me the ability to check in with myself and say, you know, how am I feeling right now? Do I enjoy this relationship? Do I like this work? do I feel good? Am I running away in fear? Am I talking to myself negatively? I mean, all those things were happening, but when you are so focused on the future or reflecting on the past, you often don't participate in the future moment that can give you such insight to not only sort of what you're dealing with, but where you are on the spectrum of frequency, if you have higher frequency or lower frequency.
0: Okay. In terms of that frequency goes, and just talking a little about your career, can you please discuss about where you started where you are now and how you progressed along the way becoming more successful generating that momentum
1: yeah that's a great question like all of us we all have a journey you know we're we're down here on the planet having these experiences all the time and you know none of our journeys are going to be the same i actually uh obtained a degree in computer science i spent the first two decades in my career most of which in technology in silicon valley But even with all that greatness, I still was yearning for more. And I think it wasn't until I got real good clarity on who I was and what made me tick and what scared me that really gave me some insight to the work I had to do. And I ended up leaving my career in tech to starting my own business. And I think when you strip yourself of your title, your salary, your security blankets, you really start to get clear on who you are. And this may happen for you if your parents pass away or you go through a divorce or maybe you lose a child or you have something traumatic happen to you. It might not be as easy as leaving a job. It could be something even more significant, but it really is kind of our tower moment in life that really kind of shakes us up in ways that is undeniable, often forcing us to dig deeper and figure out kind of What is it that I need to work through so that I can do the work I'm here to do?
0: Okay. And when you're in one profession and you decide to leave, you said you had to work on yourself. What was the the moment and what were the things you had to work on?
1: Oh, gosh, the list is long. Because (laughs) when you can hide behind a title, you can hide behind a salary, you can hide behind... Fortune 500 company. I mean, it's easy to define yourself by external metrics. So when you strip all those things away or there's taken from you, maybe you're defined yourself by the person you're married to or the degree you have or the family you're related to, whatever it may be, we all associate with something. And when you have all these external metrics that are essentially defining who you are on the inside, there are often life events that happen to us that strip us of that experience or that association. And those are on purpose. It really forces us to figure out who we are without those associations. And this could be all kinds of things, you know, to us. And you could go through all kinds of tower moments or experiences in life that really force you to Kind of look at yourself and say, "Who am I?" And you know, what am I supposed to be doing? And why don't I have as much joy? And maybe this money doesn't bring me the joy I thought it was, or the leadership position I've been striving for for decades.
0: So, uh, as far as the external reality, I mean, you're, you're talking about some your people holding themselves to certain values and say, "Well, you know, I define success as this or that." When you first started, between where you are now, it seems like you're in a much happier place. Why was it so important for you to have success earlier in life? And when you look at the success now, what necessarily drives you to have success? And because I'm trying to find out, uh, you know, why you're on this path and why others may be on this path and not even know this. Mm,
1: That's a great question. Well, I grew up with minimal means. So, you know, there wasn't really a lot of options if I wanted to travel or live on my own like i had to go work i started working at a very young age and i realized i by the age of 18 i'd been working for minimum wage for already 6 years and i i wow. kind of saw that it basically just takes the best of our souls in so many ways and so that's why i ended up getting a computer science degree not because i love computers but it was a gateway for me to get into another area of specialty but also have a great salary and give me the ability to travel with work so all of that happened which was great But then, when I decided to go out on my own, I had to be really honest with myself. And I was experiencing, like, when I thought I would get deals in or experience our customers or close certain things and things weren't happening, I really had to sit with myself and be like, Who am I? Why am I doing this work? Should I go back to corporate America? I think, you know, every step of the way, I had to like really kind of dig out on my own. And I had spent so much of my life defining myself by my title and my work. And when you strip those things away from yourself, you have nowhere to go but within.
0: Really glad you said that because we've discussed a lot on our show about facing the shadow within and doing a lot of work. I, I, re- I just took this test two days ago. It's an emotional uh, intelligence uh, exam. It was, it was an hour, two hours long, 340 questions, but I loved it because it was very challenging. And when I got the results, it under, it explained to me why I, I I perceive reality the way I do, or why I do things a certain way. And that being said, I think it, it was it was a very positive step forward. And I wish more people would do that. I would love to post a link to that. And I'm observing the reality, JJ. I don't know if you believe this or see this, but I feel like so many people are filling themselves up with distraction. Because they don't want to look within. They don't want to look and see what's really there. Because I don't know people would really, really be happy at this point. It just seems like we in a world's perpetual state of distraction. Do you think that, uh, one, do you agree with that? And also, do you think that uh, the reason why people are not able to be successful and not reach the levels that you have is because they're not putting the time in into truly finding out who they are and truly embracing their potential talents that they have they don't even know about?
1: Yeah. Such a great question, Ryan. I feel like we're all on different paths. And in my opinion, we're all down here for different reasons. Some of us are playing roles for other people. Some of us are here that are creating a bigger meaning in life purpose and uh, more awakening for others, which I think you're doing. Uh, And I think for many of us, like, It is us and our path. I mean, everyone else that we encounter are kind of like part of our journey in some level and people that aren't sure why they're here, you know, watching Netflix and drinking wine every night is not gonna get you there, I'll tell you that. (laughs) It's just not, or whatever your beverage of choice is. I think you have to be really honest with yourself and you have to really understand sort of your energy, where it comes from, what drags you down and what pushes you up. And much of the work I do in my third book I call it seeking, because I don't think there's an end point. I think we're here evolving and learning about ourselves and the choices we've made, whether it's your job, your relationship, your family, whatever it is for you, all of those create some of your biggest life lessons. And I think some of us are willing to turn inward to figure that out. And many of us are not yet ready so that we're drowning ourselves in distractions,
0: it can be terrifying. It's, it's scary. I, I tell you that these times where I've had these dark nights of the soul, I've had several of them and it's, it's, it's not fun, but I feel like I had to do it. I don't, you know, feel like you're not being true to yourself, if you don't do it. And I'm glad you brought up your books because everyone, JJ has at least four books that we're aware of seeking accelerate your impact, the working women's GPS, corporate book clubs, and can all get more information by uh, giving a mid show plug at JJ.com. JJ, as far as your transition and some of your what you've transcended, what have been two aspects of your life or two things that you've had to work on that you've had to seek through and work through that were yeah. challenging for you?
1: These are good ones. Thank you. Money, money—the frequency of money, the the power I gave money. Um, this for me has been a lifelong lesson: is how I view and use money. And one of my teachers, Lynn Twist, really was the basis of my learnings and findings of what I did with money. And I feel like for many of us, we think of money more from a scarcity standpoint than an abundance. And so we're constantly chasing it or believing there's not enough of it. Therefore, sometimes we use it or think about it in ways that actually stifle our growth.
0: Okay, and heard that having a scarcity mentality does keep you far away from it. But some people will say, well, look, you know, I would love to have a $100 to $200. Well, if you had a $100 to $200 today, it actually carried a lot more value 10 years ago, 20, 30 years ago. And what's really strange is that it's like the money that we currently have is depreciating in value, uh, whether it's through inflation or because they're printing too much money. But when you say you want to have more money, how do you align yourself to the value of saying, I would like to have more value that the money can purchase or the purchasing power of the money? If you just say money in general, does it can that does it put you on a path of just acquiring any kind of money? Or do you have to specifically cast out in the universe in your life, you want to acquire wealth that would have the same value that that money would have like five or 10 years ago?
1: super interesting. I don't think it's that complicated, honestly. Right. I think you have to have appreciation for the money you already have. And I think so many of us are so busy searching, striving, stretching, dreaming about being over there without really appreciating what we have right here. And so my second teacher, Denise out of Australia, is writes a book called Get Rich, Lucky Bitch. And she does a whole abundance of around money. And I think that was really helpful for me because I had to learn one, what frequency or energy do I give money? And then two, how do I appreciate what I already have? And I believe that if I focus more on the work that I'm doing and the energy I'm creating, the money seems to kind of bring in at different paces and in different ways. You know, I might get gift cards or I might get a gift I wasn't expecting, or, you know, I get, um, a a check on something that, you know, I thought was already kind of not going to come my way ends up coming. So I think the universe, in my opinion will only give you more of things if you spend the time appreciating what you already have. And this can be as simple as finding a penny in the parking lot and not overlooking it like, oh, I don't need that penny. I need a million dollars. Well, it's kind of a test in a lot of ways to say, you know, are you going to appreciate what we give you? So not overlooking the small things that come your way.
0: I'm really glad you said that because I used to be one of those people where I would be going through New York City and I would find a penny and I would grab it and I'd say yes I would just you know just scream and my my wife and my friends would say you know you're a little out there I'm like well they already knew that but I you know I want to appreciate things and I'm glad you said that because that actually is aligned to one of my teachers Stuart Wilde like Stuart Wilde he had this book called The little uh, money book of bible a bible book of money talked about gratitude Todd Robbins also talks about that he also said that you know if you very if you practice gratitude all the time that is the key component of it when you have progressed in your career and you've had more demands on your time, has your appreciation grown? Like, do you do daily affirmations to evoke gratitude? Like, how much of it should a person say? Should you just you know say you're thankful in the morning, or should you be in a nonstop perpetual state of you know saying I'm thankful all the time?
1: Well, I think you have to be authentic. I mean, that's the first thing you, you have to be authentic. If you're kind of going through life saying, I think I should say this because I think I should, ah, you're kind of missing the point. I mean, I try to be as present as I can, which means it's taken me hours of mindfulness training to actually even understand what that means. uh, And many tries of stopping and restarting. And so I think for me, I had to start with just being mindful about being in the present moment. And now that I know that I'm in the present moment, you can see the wind over my my shoulder here, but it, you being present and I appreciate just the little things that I see in my day, whether it's a cloud formation, the flying of more than one bird my way, you know, a penny on the ground, whatever it is, I feel like the universe is talking with me on a regular basis. And for me, I feel like that is such a powerful thing that you don't recognize when you're not present.
0: That's awesome. And that you're able to be the more sensitive to it. Now, as far as your mindfulness goes, it, it, are you meditating on a regular basis and what are some yeah. of the foundations of your soul work? Do you feel you have, do you have a higher sensitivity than most people you're able to see or feel things which you call, consider yourself a higher intuitive person?
1: Mm. That's a great question. You know, the way things come to me are thoughts. I don't necessarily see things or hear things, but thoughts come through me. And I think a lot of my third book is really me channeling information that has been around me or work through me that I could use as tools to help other people become more present, more aware, understand their frequencies. Uh, So I feel like I'm more of a channel of information per se than I am somebody that's like seeing things, you know, in dark rooms.
0: Uh, and one of your tools that you have listed on your site is that you teach people how to align with your mentors and, and sponsors. How do people do that? How, how do you do that? I've, my All life, mentors I had, and sponsors. Yeah, I've had several yeah. teachers over the years. I, I mean, uh, in my industry of public relations, I sought out the, one of the best publicists I've ever worked with. And to this day, we're, we're we're close. And I learned so much from them. And everything that I do, i always sought out a teacher. I've always sought out multiple teachers, multiple mentors. And to this day, I never stopped learning. But I'm I'm curious, like is that something that you've done, or, or are there other mentors that we should be connecting with that are not even in the physical reality, like spiritual teachers, spiritual mentors?
1: Oh my gosh, I have. So I included fifty in the book, and I have a new community <laughs> called Together We Seek, which is me interviewing so many. Light workers and energy practitioners, because I feel like it's a knowing that we're not tapping into on a regular basis. In fact, you mentioned the emotional intelligence test, which I love. I've taken the 360 review. I've done strength finders. <laughs> I've done Myers-Briggs. I'm always seeking insight to know who I am, but I will say that the birth chart and human design, both of those are defined by the day you were born, the time you were born and the location you were born has given me the most insight and my life's work. And I think for me, that's really what I've been working to align with over the last few years.
0: Why is that so significant? Because you, I've had um, two of my close friends, uh, one of them has been on our show since the very beginning, Constance Cell. She's an astrologer. She did my birth. We always were in contact. And then we had uh, Dr. Scott Keller. He's been on. And he's, he's, they both have emphasized that it's so important. I don't understand why is it so significant? And what
1: if Oh my wife? gosh. I mean, I could talk about this for hours, but just the highlights, like a couple things that are I think really big for me that I've learned is you know, of course we all know our son. That's the day we're born. We look up that in the newspaper, but understanding what house that is in your birth chart, you know, mine is in my eighth house. So I like to talk about complicated topics or heavy topics or things that people don't want to talk about. I love talking about that. That brings me joy and light. And so it's not surprising I find myself in these deep discussions with people trying to like move through their life, but are stuck on certain things. Your moon, your moon is what fills you up. Things that make you really happy. And your moon is in your seventh house. So you really like one-on-one, whether it's your relationship, your significant relationship or your friendships, you have deep one-on-one. You really enjoy that. That fills you up. But that's really exciting because it kind of lets you know, like, okay, when I'm feeling depleted, when I'm not feeling great, you know, I want to spend quality time with one one person and that's really going to jazz me up. Other people, their moon might be in their 11th house, which is community. So they have to either build, create, lead a community. That's what really fills them up. Having your moon in your third house could be like you love to communicate and you've got to get a message in the world. So I think for many of us, what the birth chart has done for me is it's given me permission to step into things that I already know I like, but maybe I was second guessing myself.
0: Uh, so it's awesome that you do it. It's kind of like, um, of the birth chart is a on like an owner's manual for your life. And it's like, Hey, by the way, here's here's a, here's a user's manual. And, all these other tests we talked about, I mean, they're, they're so incredible. There's another one called seemypersonality.com. I don't know if they've ever done that, but I, I take this test at least once a month because it is so comprehensive and it's simple. It's only about 110 questions. But What's really good about it is that it'll show you how you are changing and what state of uh, mind you are in at that particular time. I'll see, I'm yeah, going to write that down. It. I love yeah. that. See, and it's great, and it actually has like five different categories, and all those five different categories, it tells you like five or ten different aspects within this, within those categories. So I actually, you know, I, I again, I utilize that based on how I'm feeling about a certain situation. If I'm really stressed, it'll tell me about that too. But based on what you just said about the birth chart you're in this industry and you're thriving how does the metaphysical components come into your progression and evolution is that something you were very passionate about when you were younger or is that something where you're saying well look i'm going to become very introspective these are some of the tools that i'm looking at and working with and these are some of the tools that they seem to be on the metaphysical front but they're having a powerful impact not only on me but some of the clients i'm working with like how does it all come to being for you
1: yeah. So it wasn't like, I mean, my mom would take me to Lilydale when I was younger, which is a place in New York, upstate New York. Nice. Mm, yeah. So, uh, you know, I got exposed to it early, but it wasn't like I really relied on it once in a while. I would go to like a reader or something throughout my life, but it wasn't until recently that I felt like I was just yearning for new levels of insight. I was kind of at a level where I felt like I'd done all the corporate stuff I knew I wanted more in my life. I've taken the trip to Sedona. I was like, okay, I need more. And I think when I came across my birth chart, I really had a really two awesome instructors that really broke it down for me that gave me permission to step more into what I already knew was true. And so I just don't think I would have been able to be so confident had I not rounded out my knowing about myself. And I feel like the birth chart and human design have been really critical tools that have given me permission to lean into what comes so naturally, which so many of us are taught like, oh, that's no big deal. And a lot of times we think it's no big deal, but our life's work is very much aligned to tools and techniques that have come very easy to us. If we're grinding so hard and it's not working, it's probably not the right thing.
0: Uh, well, I wonder if it's not said the right thing or if you're not putting enough energy into it, because everything that I've done, JJ, that I've been successful at has come with a relentless persistence. I I, I don't know why this is, but this is a rule of, of my particular universe that I live in. If I want yeah. something, I have to pursue. Not once, not twice, but 3,000 times. And yes. one of the guys we've had on the show, I pursued for 27 years. And it was worth it every year. <laughs> every year.
1: Oh, I just I definitely agree. in persistence and resilience. I totally agree. But I'm sort of talking about like, if you are a nurse and you thought you wanted to be a nurse because your mom told you to be a nurse and you're being a nurse and you're just like, it's just not your calling. Like, you're just not feeling it. It doesn't jazz you up. It doesn't fill your bucket. Like, stop being a nurse.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, I feel like some of us do things because other people told us we should, and we know deep down, it doesn't align with who we are, but we keep doing it because we feel like we should, which I think differs from what you and I are doing, which is like, we are out there with our flag and we are moving forward and it's exhausting and tiring, but we get up every day the next day and do it again because we feel it.
0: Yeah. Uh, I love doing it. I love love being engaged in what I do and GJ, it would be possible to just ask you two more quick questions.
1: Yes, of course.
0: One of them is because you, you know, some people, if they want to be successful, it seems like you have to do a lot of actions. And there are some individuals who seem to outsource, minimize things that are able to get a lot done. What is the key you feel to being successful in terms of how do you get a lot done when you're only one person? Like how can you manifest and create a tremendous amount of value to others if you're only one person.
1: Well, I mean, I'm going to say, you know, it's not a bad idea to get your birth chart checked out by anybody that is recommended to you. I have plenty of people I recommend. I do it too. But I think it helps me say, okay, this is the work I really should be doing. So that's one thing. But two, if you can look through your to-do list and there's things that take you three times as long, you probably shouldn't be doing it. Like outsource it. I use Upwork all the time. It's my favorite resource. I hire tons of people off Upwork by the hour and I outsource things that are just not my calling. And so I think giving yourself permission to spend a little money so that you can focus on the things that you're really good at so that you can get the help, get the wind under your wings, and gain, gain some momentum.
0: Uh, awesome. Okay, the last question is, what are a couple professions that you recommend people get into if they are extroverts and if they're introverts? I mean, are there certain professions where an extrovert will thrive in more or certain one's an introvert will be more successful in?
1: Mm, That's a good question because like some people are really great one-on-one others are great in communities some people love to work some people love to create fun for people. I think you have to be really honest with yourself do some of these tests really get to know who you are so that you're not running uphill all the time. I think you know we kind of see glimpses of our life's work early on in our life. And I write about this because usually as children, things come our way that really float our boat. And I tell this great story about a woman that has a lavender farm right now. And she's got her two masters. And this has just been her thing younger in life. She's just always loved flowers. And now she has 2000 lavender uh, lavender plants and she ships them all over the world. So I think really paying attention to the things that light you up and figuring out how you can do that off the side of your desk. Because when I started my women's group back in 2008, I started off the side of my desk. It was started with 12 women. Now it's almost 10,000 women. And it's not because I wanted to build a 10,000 woman group. I did it because it lit me up and it gave me energy during my day job. It took me about 12 hours a month and it gave me so much relevance, something to talk about, gave me so much energy. And I think finding things off the side of your desk that light you up may eventually become your main thing eventually. So I just think like you have to be honest with who you are and what you feel and being sure that you're aligning with things that give you positive exciting energy, even if it's a few hours a week.
0: J.J. DeGermanama, J.J. DeGermanama, thank you so much for being with us today. Really loved your insight and perspectives, and this is great. I mean, the one thing I think people are really going to take away from this is gratitude. Really emphasize, I'm glad you mentioned that and said how important it is. Again, J.J. is the author of four different books, Seeking to Accelerate Your Impact Working Women's GPS, corporate book clubs. You about, will more about JJ by going to our website at jjdgeronimo.com. We'll post the link. JJ, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Okay, everyone. That concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of Inner Truth radio show. Special thanks to our unbelievable guest. And special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Constance Dallas and our social producer Jenny Lamisa. To learn more about the Out of Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at outoflimitsradio.com. And till the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Hey! Take care, and thank you so much for listening.